Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ Today Session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 3, Episode 219 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much again for joining us as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials covering August the 2nd to August the 8th, Doctrine and Covenants sections 85 to 87. And today we're going to look at Doctrine and Covenants section 85 itself. And as we begin, uh, as we mentioned yesterday, it says in verse 1, it is the duty of the Lord's clerk whom he has appointed to keep a history and a general church record of all things that transpire in Zion and of all those who consecrate properties and receive inheritances legally from the bishop. So straight away we have here this phrase which I mentioned yesterday of the Lord's clerk uh, and just how important it is at this stage that the prophet um, has understood the need to keep these records of things. And of course, he will be aware of the um, destructions, the instructions he received recently from the Lord about needing to uh, return the properties of uh, consecrated possessions to widows, perhaps, of um, of members who who had passed on and who were um, not wanting to be part of the church anymore, um, that they received their, the full inheritances back. Uh, and other things like this, you know, when we think about just the amount of transactions and things that were happening, um, that these were all to be kept in a clear and consistent record so they could be referred back to. Um, and also so that those who are not keeping this law could be identified as well. And so that the the, the full blessings um, wouldn't be available to those individuals because and not because they didn't want to give the full blessings that the church had to give these people, but because it was they had covenanted, uh, they had made sacred covenants that these things would happen. Um, for example, it says in verse three, it is contrary to the will and commandments of God that those who receive not their inheritance by consecration agreeable to his law, which he has given, that he may tithe his people to prepare them against this day, the day of vengeance and burning, should have their names enrolled with the people of God. Neither is their genealogy to be kept. Um, and so it says clearly there that this law was imp an important part of certain members of the church who had covenanted this uh, with the Lord. Uh, President Russell M. Nelson said about our way of keeping this law in part, about tithing, quote, to develop enduring faith and enduring commitment to be a full tithe payer is essential. Initially, it takes faith to tithe. Then the tithe payer develops more faith to the point that tithing becomes, becomes a precious privilege. Tithing is an ancient law from God. He made a promise to his children that he would open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Why do we need such resilient faith? Because difficult days are ahead. Close quote. It is vital that we follow the commandments of God that he has for us today. And those directions and commandments may be different to those as they were received in 1832. Uh, and that is because the church has developed over time and is a global church now. And there are many reasons why uh, the Lord directs us with the same principles, but with different means uh, in the uh, church today. Um, now, moving on from, uh, beyond this, this point that uh, the prophet was making to William W. Phelps, he then has a, um, a word from the Lord to give to him. But it's interesting. He doesn't say uh, that, that thus saith the Lord. He actually says in verse six, yea, thus saith the still small voice, which whispereth through and pierceth all things. And oftentimes it maketh my bones to quake while it maketh manifest saying. Um, and so here the prophet is indicating that he hasn't heard the Lord say this to him, but rather this thing that he's about to write is coming from the still small voice. 
And it reminds us that, you know, prophets, oftentimes when they receive revelation to direct the church, they will not see the Lord appear before them and hear him speak the words to, as to what to say or do. And then they go and do it. But very often it comes through still small voices. It comes through revelation as, as many of us feel that we, we receive it. And I think we'll be surprised um, sometimes to learn that the prophets and apostles today very often receive revelation and direction for the entire church through the still small voice, through revelation in the ways that many church members would recognize the way they receive revelation. In fact, we were often um, reminded and we still are reminded to hear him in our own way. And if we remember, um, there's been a number of uh, videos given recently by general church leaders, including apostles and um, church organization general presidents, about how they hear the voice of the Lord, how they hear him. And with many of these individuals, such uh, such as the apostles and these church leaders, uh, it is through the ways that which we may recognize, through promptings of the Spirit, through um, peaceful feelings, through, um, and some refer to things like music and um, teachings from the scriptures and things like that. Um, we can all receive revelation and we actually all receive revelation in very much the same way that prophets and apostles do today, which is an incredible um, promise and blessing for us. Of course, there may be times that they need to receive direction in certain ways, but um, very often it may well be through this still small voice as the, as the prophet Joseph Smith is doing here. President Henry B. Eyring said, it, quote, it is the spirit which will bear record to your heart as you read the scriptures, as you hear the Lord's authorized servant, and as, and as God speaks directly to your heart. You can listen and hear if you believe that the scriptures are accurate. When the Holy Ghost, when they describe the Holy Ghost this way, yea, thus saith the still small voice which whispereth through and pierceth all things. Now I testify it is a small voice. It whispers, not shouts. And so you must be very quiet inside. That is why you must wisely fast when you want to listen. And that is why you will listen best when you feel, Father, thy will, not mine, be done. You will have a feeling of, I want what you want. Then the still small voice will seem as it pierces. Then the still small voice will seem as if it pierces you. It may make your bones to quake. More often it will make your heart burn within you again softly, but with a burning which will lift and reassure. Close quote. I mean, we all feel the spirit in different ways. I mean, obviously, um, I can't remember who it was. I believe it was President Boyd K. Packer or perhaps President Oaks. But somebody um, has has said about how if the, the still small voice feels like a calorific burning, then they've not felt that. Um, it is obviously personal to us how we hear the, the voice of the Lord. But what is important is that we recognize how we hear or feel the voice of the Lord and then we listen and actively seek out those opportunities to receive that revelation and guidance for our for ourselves in our day. Then in verse 7 and 8, we have a very interesting verse, which has caused issues uh, within the church itself over, uh, over the century or so after this was given, until it was addressed really by the First Presidency in the early 1900s. In verse 7 it says, And it shall come to pass that I, the Lord God, sh shall, will send one mighty and strong, holding the scepter of power in his hand, clothed with light for a covering, whose mouth shall utter words, eternal words, while his bowel shall be a fountain of truth, to set in order the house of God and to arrange by lot the inheritances of the saints whose names are found. While that man who is called of God and appointed that putteth forth his hand to study the ark of God shall fall by the shaft of death, like as a tree that is smitten by the vivid shaft of lightning. Now, 
with the context of this, this is actually referring to Edward Partridge, not the mighty and strong one. Um, he's referring to Edward Partridge as the man who has put his hand forth to study the Ark of God, basically saying that Edward Partridge has been trying to do things in, not in the way the Lord has told him and trying to do things in his own way. And this putting his hand forward to study the Ark of God refers to a story in the Old Testament when the Ark of the Covenant was being um, carried by the traveling group of Israelites through the wilderness. Uh, and a man, um, and I, oh, I can't remember his name now, uh, but there was an individual in the in the Old Testament who put his hand forward to steady the ark, even though the, the people of Israel had been told expressly that only a certain individuals were to touch that ark. And he put his hand forward to carry it and he was struck down, basically. Um, but it's this mighty and strong individual that has caused so many issues um, over the time. And basically what has happened is that over time there have been a number of individuals, and you can find them online, um, who have who have claimed that they are the one mighty and strong who will set things in order in the church. Uh, and basically, it's these individuals who are trying to grab power and uh, influence among the people of the church by saying they are that mighty and strong one. So listen to what they're saying to, to do or what instruction they've been given by the Lord. When actually, when they read the context of this verse more properly, they realize that the mighty and strong one was not required. This is because Edward Partridge repented of what he had done wrong at this stage. Uh, he corrected the um, the things that and that he had done incorrectly, and therefore the mighty and strong one was not needed, um, because it was specifically told here that he will send forth the mighty and strong one, um, if um, if these things were not done correctly, um, going forward. I will add a little. Um, footnote here myself about Edward Partridge. It seems that recently all we've said about Edward Partridge is mistakes that he's made or um, repentance he's had to do. Uh, and actually, we need to remember that he was a man who was called as without guile. Uh, and he was a very faithful individual of the church. Uh, and he did correct himself a number of times because he made mistakes, as we all do. And I think we should remember, as we've said with individuals like Martin Harris, the incredible good that he did, and not just the couple of times that we have in the scriptures where he was told he needed to repent of certain things. But yeah, that's a, an interesting point about the mighty and strong one. And so um, just one to remember as we go forward with that. Thank you very much for listening today. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the study. Please continue to follow the podcast and on Facebook. Uh, you can also email where, where it usually is pointed out that you can email your thoughts and your study. And until we meet again.